You're listening to the premier podcast for men who want to not only be better with women, but want to be better men in general. This is the Come On Man podcast. And here's your host, Paul Bauer. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another week of Come On Man. If you haven't done so already, please like, fave, subscribe, hit those notifications. Leave a comment below as well. That really helps us in the algorithm. So just comment the word comment. Uh, That will help me out so much. If you are listening on your favorite audio platform of choice and they have a five-star review system like Apple, give us a five-star review and actually write out why you like the show. Again, that helps us with the algorithm. It puts us in front of more men. All right, guys, this week was a fun conversation. Oh my God, I need, <laughs> I think like earlier this year, I had on uh, a porn star, Eric Everhard. And man, I never thought, like if you talked to me 10 years ago and said, hey, you're gonna be talking with porn stars and stuff. I'd be like, get out of here. Why would I do that? <laughs> and here we are. So I have my second porn star on this week. It's the famous Sterling Cooper. He's not just a porn star either. He's a former high class male companion, author, and the world's number one sex coach for men. And uh, man, he dropped some really good stuff this in this episode, if I do say so myself. And he's just a solid dude. Solid dude. Uh, we had originally scheduled this, uh, I think like on a Thursday or a Wednesday. I can't remember, but when we scheduled it, he reached out to me that morning. He's like, Hey, uh, we might not be able to do this because all the power is out <laughs> in my area. And he, he sent me like a video message, you know, and he's like walking around showing me like the fridge and stuff, like the power's out. Like I would have just taken his word for it, but he's a solid dude. So we rescheduled for the following week, uh, which was good because the week that we were initially supposed to record this, I ended up having COVID, which, uh, by the way, guys, um, I mean, sure. Like a lot of people, there's a lot of people that have it, had it worse than me, but I, I cannot believe we shut down the whole world for this thing. It was like, it was really bad for like three days. Um, but other than that, it was just like mildly annoying for me. And I, even on the three days where I was like feverish and stuff like that, I still went out jogging. I still went out jogging guys. So them shutting down the whole country for this was, was complete bullshit. Uh, but I digress because you're not allowed to say that uh, on social media, right? You can't have an, an alternative viewpoint to what the narrative is. All right. I'm going to stop talking about it <laughs> before I get canceled. And I'm going to bring you a more fun conversation with porn legend Sterling Cooper right after this. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I'm not sure what you're doing tonight, but what I'm doing involves a bottle of Carvassier and a lady. Well, maybe not the Carvassier, but definitely a lady. 
If you're like me, you're tired of expensive, girly-smelling colognes from expensive department stores. You don't want to smell like a little bitch. You want to smell like a friggin' man. That's why I've partnered with Duke Cannon. Duke Cannon has a wide range of men's grooming products that actually smell manly as hell. My personal favorites are their Naval Supremacy Bar Soap and all of their awesome smelling colognes that women love. I have several of their colognes for different days of the week, but my Saturday night cologne is Grant because it gets the job done, if you know what I mean. Right now, if you visit duke.comeonmanpod.com, you get free shipping on orders over $25. Using duke.comeonmanpod.com tells them I sent you and you get free shipping. Win-win. Again, that's duke.comeonmanpod.com. Don't smell like a little bitch. All right, joining me this week is award-winning adult film star, former high-class male companion, author, and the world's number one sex coach for men, at least according to his Twitter bio. It's Sterling Cooper. What's going on, man? Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me, man. It's good to be here. So I, I saw the other day on Twitter that before you got into the adult film business that you used to run a paleo meal prepping service. How, how does one go from paleo meal prep into adult films? <laughs> well, okay. So <laughs> it was actually more of me, like I was doing the paleo stuff because I, you know, funny story, man. It's weird how these things happen. I went through this sort of really, really harsh breakup, right? Mm. And me being the kind of petty guy that I am, I'm like, you know what would make like really, you know, give me some satisfaction is like completely transforming my body and getting like super jacked and ripped. Mm. And so I, and so I like, I dived into a few different authors, uh, Mark Sisson, Mark Hyman are a couple that really, really stuck out for me, got into the paleo diet, got super jacked, uh, got like, you know, an eight pack for the first time in my life and shit like that. And I was like, damn, this is pretty fucking cool. And at that exact same time, I was in the swingers scene and I was meeting a bunch of different girls in the swingers scene who were escorts. Mm. And they were like, you're, you know, you're, you've got the look, you've, you're pretty charming, blah, blah, blah. You should give this a go. And I didn't really think much of it. And I kept hearing that again and again. And so what ended up happening was simultaneously, I got into escorting and I did that at the night times. And then during the daytime, I ended up taking my passion for paleo and the paleo diet and turning that into a business during the daytime. So by, by, by day, I'm a respectable businessman. And then by night, I'm, uh, you know, boning dudes' wives in front of them for money. <laughs> That's interesting. Do you still follow and recommend paleo? I absolutely recommend it, yeah. It's, it's, and a lot of people get paleo kind of like, I think it's, they think it's something that's not, they, they think it's sort of this super restrictive, like uh, the be all end all, like the way I look at it, man, it's, it's look, just eat more meat and vegetables and you're okay. Like it's, mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be much more complicated than that, but people will try to make it super complicated. Yeah. And once you start cutting, and I'm not, I'm not, not so you pretend like I don't fuck up and cheat, you know, yeah. regular, especially the busier I get, right? Because sticking to a diet and, and a meal plan is pretty, uh, you know, time and focus intensive, right? But if you want to like, lose a ton of body fat, I have never seen a quicker way of doing it for, for like for many, many people. Some people, mm-hmm. they don't like it, but personally, man, it's like steak and veggies, steak and broccoli. Like it's, 
it's and you can have plenty of fat with it like butter olive oil like you have a good time so it's it, yeah. it, bacon you know like you're not you're not really missing out on much by indulging in it and then you combine that and especially uh, i'm a big fan of uh, the book the primal blueprint hmm. and in that he kind of encapsulates uh, that book doesn't get enough credit it's a fantastic book and it in that book he kind of encapsulates more of a lifestyle element elements on top of the diet so like making sure you're getting out in the sun a bunch making sure you're lifting heavy shit, making sure you're sprinting occasionally and for me that was the big the big thing that moved the needle was getting my diet right cutting out basically cutting out sugar is the biggest one like mm -hmm. cutting out sugar and cutting out bread that's 80 percent of, of the work there and then incorporating sprints like a couple of times a week as a pretty regular thing and then incorporating like heavy lifts like squats and deadlifts and dude it's you don't need much more than that and you can get fucking jacked basically effortlessly like i say effortlessly but it's not there's not a lot of intense focus and scheduling and planning and meal prep and and you know it's not doesn't have to be as complicated as people make it out to be and our bodies are kind of designed around that mm -hmm. they're designed to to move in that kind and, and get that kind of nutrition so personally it worked wonders for me and, and it's worked wonders for people i've recommended it to yeah i've uh I just had uh, Jack Napier on a, a while back and we were talking about diets and um, there's a pro wrestler that I'm a big fan of. And, and I always quote him because he, 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 his name is uh, Brian Cage and he says, uh, all diets work if you work them, you know, if you're, it's, 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 it's all about consistency, but they all work as long as you're consistent with it. But uh, following, I've watched pretty much like every food documentary on the planet and each diet has their own studies saying why theirs is the best and stuff. So it sort of just comes down to like, okay, what, what works for you, I guess. And uh, I find like, like just the way it's designed, like paleo just seems like the best possible diet out there. I don't, I, I'm, I'm a, more of a keto guy, uh, which yeah. is kind of like paleo, but exactly. uh, like, yeah, they're all kind of similar, you know? Yeah. And so it's, it's more like the underlying principles of like, Look, get good, high quality proteins, get some goddamn vegetables in your diet, you know, and kind of and try to cut out as, as if you're trying specifically, just trying to just lose body fat. If you cut out like these high processed carbs, you're going to start to lose a ton of body fat and a ton of water weight. You're going to slim, you're going to get the body you want. It's not that it's, and it, but the reason I like paleo is because I found it easy to stick to, you mm -hmm. know, because I like eating bacon and I like eating steak. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> I'm gonna stick to it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, changing gears here, so I'm assuming that Sterling Cooper is a professional name. How did you get it? That is correct. Yeah, you know what? Everyone thinks it's from that show, Mad Men. Okay, and it's not a hundred percent not. I've never even heard of the show Mad Men because everyone has watched that TV show, Mad Men. Sterling Cooper Draper Price is the name of the advertising agency they have. And uh, I only found that out after I'd picked my stage name. Mm. Everyone was like, oh, you mean like Mad Men? I'm like, what? And then I had to go <laughs> and look it up and watch it. And I love, I'm a big fan of the show. I like the show. So yeah, I, honest to God, I did a poll. <laughs> I came up with like a bunch of different names, like a different combinations of names. And I went to like all the girls that I was fucking at the time. And I texted them, okay, these four names, which one's the sexiest? And I just, did a, you know, a, a poll on it and, I, and they were like sterling Cooper's the sexiest one i'm like all right that's the name i'm picking like so, focus group yeah focus group. 
<laughs> okay. All right. So uh, one of my listeners, uh, Nate Howard, shout out, Nate. How are you doing? Um, he wanted me to ask if you ever watch your own movies and critique yourself. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Okay. That's how you get good at the job. I mean, <laughs> I, uh, it's kind of, so I, when I'm doing my own content, you know, stuff that I, if I did like a content share with a girl and it's for like, you know, my OnlyFans or my mini vids or something like that, I'm editing it myself. And so mm. I'm obviously watching it as I'm editing it. And then I'm like, hmm, could have done that better, could have done this better. But then when I'm doing the professional scene, I look, you know, look at, at the trailer on Pornhub or something like that. Yeah, I'll, I'll sit there and critique, especially in my early career, like the first couple of years of my career, I was trying to find like, okay, well, what can I do better? What, like, what are other dudes doing? How, how do they make that particular angle work really well? It's mm-hmm. this weird thing that most people don't appreciate in, in the porn industry is like, how much attention to detail we put into like angles and positions for the right. Yeah. Cause you got to make it look good for the audience. Exactly. So it's, if not, you can ex- learn- it's not always functional, right? <laughs> oh, if you can learn like just a tiny little tweak in like your foot position or your arm or your hips and like to make your life way easier to get the shot, like it saves you so much energy on set and you can, you can give a better performance. So, yeah, little things like that. You, you're always looking for like an edge. Got it. How how long's like a typical shoot usually, right? I mean, is it, is it like a full on hour you're filming just for like a, a 20 minute scene? Yeah, it depends on what kind of scene we're shooting. So like there's, there's stuff, there's scripts with like dialogue and stuff where, you know, I, I, I personally, I got cast a lot in, you know, what do you call them? Like, pornos with a storyline with a plot to them you know uh-huh. so we're on set for like eight hours like at least doing all the dialogue getting all the different key shots before we even start with like the sex scene part mm. so for that kind of a scene yeah i'm on set for like eight hours but for something more simple like what we would call gonzo which is basically just guy and a girl on a couch go you know <laughs> okay that, that like you're probably only on set for like three or four hours, three or okay. four hours max, if you if you really smash through it. Like the sex in total, yeah, for like a thirty minute sex scene, we're probably fucking for like one and a half hours ish. Okay. Yeah, because we got to do all, we got to do all the sex still. So people don't realize it's like we actually have sex twice. So we don't we don't necessarily we don't ejaculate twice, but we have sex twice. So we do we do all the photos first. And then we get dressed again and then we film it on camera with the video. So, and we do all that sort of like back to back. So yeah. while we're excited, we, we keep the, we keep the momentum going, we keep the energy going and we kind of use the, the photographs as a way of planning out. Okay. We're going to do this position over here and then the camera's going to get this. It, it, it's kind of like a test run uh-huh. before the video starts. We kind of, that's why if you do it that way, you can kind of go through the sex scene seamlessly without any cuts, without like stopping and talking with your partner. Cause that's, that's the thing that we, we, uh, we try to avoid while we're filming is the stopping. Mm-hmm. So the camera can get this like really smooth shot. The director gets all the shots he likes. Cause sometimes there can be like a bit of miscommunication between you and the girl. And you've got to try and do this. Like you might want her to say like bend over, or you might want her to get on top of you. Right. Mm-hmm. And you've got to try and communicate this to her without actually saying it. So that it looks this, like this smooth 
seamless, realistic transition in sex. Yeah. yeah. Does it suck? Like when you're like mid, like you're right in the middle of it. And then the director's like, all right, cut. We got to, we got, you guys aren't doing it right. You guys need to, I don't know. (laughs) Cause you're sort of like in the groove, right? Yeah. Dude, that's, that is, that is the pain in the ass in the job is that this, the stopping and the starting is what makes it difficult. Like, You'll get you'll get that occasionally, especially if you're with a not if you've worked with a director for a while. If you and a director have good rapport and you understand how each other work, then it's seamless. But the first time or the first couple of times you work with a new director, that can happen a fair bit because you don't understand each other. Mm. It's more about it's it's really the relationship between the directors and the male talent is the most important one because they have to kind of under because the dude leads the scene, right? He's the one in charge. I kind of I had this cool analogy about like a sex scene. A sex scene is like uh, like a Ferrari, okay? And the woman is like the sexy, sleek exterior, the, the leather seats, the colors, the dashboard, the logo. But the dude is the engine underneath the hood that no one actually sees. Mm. But he makes it work, right? And so he has to have this this good understanding with the director who's filming it because so he, he knows what i'm going to do next or what the way i like to shoot or how i like to move around during sex scenes and i know what shots the director wants or what shots the director needs so we can work kind of seamlessly because yeah the worst the, the most the biggest pain in the ass is a director who's, who's like get you to stop and start all over and over and over again because it takes the momentum out of out of the sex right and it's like, mm. Start to get in your head, and if you get in your head, your boating goes away. If you get frustrated, your boating goes away. So you're, you're kind of fighting against those forces the whole time. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, the, the analogy with the uh, Corvette and the engine, I mean, that's sort of, I mean, if a guy's any good at all, that sort of goes hand in hand with just regular sex then, right? Because the guy really should be inter- uh, leading the interaction. Absolutely. Good sex is 100% determined by the guy. 100%. <laughs> like, you can have, because think of it this way, like, okay, I could be with the most beautiful woman in the world. She, she, maybe she has, she gives the best blowjob on the planet. Maybe she's like an absolute freak. But if, if I can't get a boner, then the sex ain't happening. Right. Right. But if I'm on point, if I'm there, you know, giving it my all, well, then together we can have, a, we can have fantastic sex. But it's 100% determined by the guy's ability. To like to be there, to stay hard, to mm-hmm. contribute, to to lead the interaction, because that's something I teach a lot of guys is this idea of, of being in control and leading the sexual interaction. Don't be like, don't be, don't try to be this passive guy in the bedroom. I try to coax guys away from the more vanilla passive style of sex mm-hmm. that you, you probably see in like romantic comedies and hallmark movies and, and you know romance films and stuff and lead them towards this more kind of dominant aggressive style of sex because if i'm being perfectly honest women respond extremely well to it yeah definitely i one thing that i feel like a lot of guys uh and i don't know if it's like uh you know the, the way they're raised uh you know societal conditioning but there's a lot of guys that want their women to initiate sex more. They want their woman to be more aggressive because it, it like sort of makes them feel like, oh, well, she really wants it then. 
But on the other, on the flip side, like women are a passive bunch. Like they're, they're, they want, they sort of just want to show up and have the man lead. And when you, once you realize that you're going to have a much better time in the bedroom, I think. Oh, absolutely, man. This, this kind of, this fantasy in men's heads of the woman being the sexual aggressor is something that's been put into their head from porn. Mm. Like that's a porno thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, 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 the pizza delivery guy who gets hit on, you know, or the plumber who gets hit on by the housewife, all this kind of stuff. That, them being the sexual aggressor in that way, yeah, it's a fantasy. You know, and it's cool. To, like, wait, wait, here's the thing, but that's, you can, you can get to that point in your relationship with a woman where she is being sexually aggressive, where she is, like, she needs your dick, like, all the time, and she's, a, and she's pretty adamant about it. Mm-hmm. But you have to, like, the relationship doesn't start there. It starts with you being the guy who lays the pipe, with you being the guy who's, you know, giving her the kind of dick she wants to be receiving, aggressive, masculine, dominant sex, so that she becomes addicted to it. So she wants more of it. So, so then she'll start, you know, initiating it more with you. Mm-hmm. And it's, and you're right, they, they want to, they, women want to be led. They want to be with a guy who's got his shit together, with a guy who's going to take charge, because that's, that's the natural male-female dynamic. Like, I... I take care of you. I take I take care of us. You take care of the kids, right? I look at I keep us safe. I keep us protected. I keep the resources coming in, and you take care of the kids. It's they want to be able to look up to a man, mm-hmm. not just not just sexually, like just when on their knees, but in general in the relationship, they want to be able to look up to the guy and be like, "Dad, that's my man. I'm 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 sorted. I'm safe." You know, mm-hmm. and the and the bedroom is this little microcosm. Of relationships in general, I, I would say because if you can, if you're in a relationship that's like kind of sexist, or if you're if you're in a marriage or that's there's a lot of bickering and a lot of fighting going on, well, the dynamics obviously off. And I've been able to help a lot of dudes correct that dynamic, get, get their relationships sparked up again, like they were on their honeymoon, by just fixing things in the bedroom and getting the dude to take charge and be a bit more aggressive in the bedroom. And miraculously, she stops nagging again. Miraculously, she's, she's happier, she's more pleasant because she's getting dicked down. Right. Mm-hmm. And now the relationship dynamics fixing itself. It's getting, it's more natural. It's like, surprise, surprise. Like these, these things are related, you know? Yeah. 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 That makes sense. S- speaking of, you said that, uh, that the fantasy of the aggressive female sort of comes from porn. Um, another listener, Lloyd um, Meikle, wants to know if you watch porn yourself, and if so, how much? And, well, I th- and you did say that you watch it a little bit to see what the other guys are doing, or at least you used to. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely watch my own stuff when it comes out. Like, I, like I said, I critique my own stuff. Uh, not so much, not really anymore. When I was starting out, I was I was watching it. Kind of, I'd watch like dudes who were better, like. The guys who are the male performer of the year that year, I'd be like, all right, what's, what is this guy doing? Like, what's like, look at his energy, the way he's interacting with the positions he's doing. Like, I'd, I'd be looking for things like this, not, not looking at it to like jerk off. I'd be looking at it from like an artist kind of perspective <laughs> with a pad and paper. So, mm, yeah, okay. yeah. Like, what can I learn from this? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's primarily what I was using porn for back in the day. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, when I was a teenager, absolutely. I, dude, I used to, I jerked off all the time when I was a teenager. And it's, 
it's funny because I've actually had sex, I think, with like five now, I think five or six women in my career that I used to masturbate to when I was a teenager. <laughs> did you did you bring that up with them on set? I'm just curious. No, hey, I used to I used to jerk off to you. Yeah, God no. <laughs> So great to so great to work with you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> No, that was I, was, I would never, I don't think I even, I don't think even after the fact I told them. I don't, yeah. they don't even know. But, was, but because I'm like, I'm 35. Like okay. I didn't get into the porn industry until I was like 30. Really? Oh, okay. So I only got in, in my, when I was 30. So these girls are all my age and they're still working. They're, they're the MILF performers that are working that started off as, you know, young 21 year old girls mm-hmm. and now they're MILFs, but they've been in the industry the whole time. So I've come in. I've ended up working with them, but we're basically the same age. So it's like, that's why I'm able to like work with girls that I, that I masturbated to when I was like, you know, 18, 19, 20, because they were working the whole time. Got it. Okay. Oh, that's, that's fascinating. So you have several eBooks available. Uh, The guide to performance anxiety, how to seal the deal and your latest, how I grew my dick and other porn secrets. Yeah. So first off, you can actually grow your dick. I, I saw a urologist on TikTok saying you can't really do it, but you say differently. So so what's the Cliff's notes of how that works? Like Swedish made penis enlarger pump or something? Or Yeah, so there's two, there's two different things that are going on. So, well, there's three. So you can, if you're talking just length, there's two different mechanisms that can increase your length. But And then if you want to just increase the girth, there's really one thing going on. And it's basically the same principle that you would apply to like, muscle growth except it's not quite the same because it's not like not like a bicep muscle right you have to cause like micro tears in the penile tissue mm. as you expand it or stretch it and then those micro tears get healed and you're not, you're not doing it to the extreme where your dick won't work and you're actually hurting yourself it's it takes time this isn't it's like some sort of magic pill thing and this, mm. and this kind of pisses me off is that i see like you scroll through Pornhub and you'll see these little ads going on in the top right-hand corner. And it's all these like dick pills, like take this secret African herb and you'll, your dick will get bigger. No, it won't. That, yeah. that ain't going to happen. It's not, how, it's not how life works. It's like, for me, it took me like eight months of consistent daily effort to gain like 1.2 inches in my, on my life. This is at the very, very beginning of my career. Yeah. That, ain't, that's, that takes focus. You, you, you tell it, but it's much easier to sell a guy, oh, take this magical pill and then you dick something. That's a much easier sell for guys because most dudes don't want to fucking do any work. Mm-hmm. But I've done it. And, I've, and I have, the, you can go on my website, you'll see the photographic evidence. In my book, you'll see the evidence. And my students have replicated the results. But there's, there's two, when it comes to length, there's two kind of things going on. One, is, again, similar, same principle, like the tearing of the phenol tissue, tissue stretching, time under tension, like you need like consistent time under tension. And the second thing you can do is you can stretch the ligaments that actually attach the penile shaft to the pubic bone. So there's <laughs> a ligament that attaches that. And you can stretch that, and that allows the, the penile shaft to come out further from the actual body. Because there's a whole bunch, the, the whole bunch of the penis that's inside the body that's not actually outside of it. Now, when dudes go and get penis enlargement surgery, what they, the doctors are actually doing is they're severing those ligaments that attach the penile shaft to the pubic bone. And it just allows it to drop. Problem is, it doesn't give you any more like length when it's erect. Mm. It just makes it hang lower when it's in a flaccid state. So you get this like, okay, 
it's impressive in the shower room, but it doesn't actually do anything for you when, when the time comes. So that's why you have to work on this sort of time and attention concept and stretch it, cause these tiny micro tears over a long period of time, and then eventually your shark will get it. But it's not it's not an easy thing. It's not I'm not gonna sit here and pretend yeah, like I said, like it's yeah. It, you said a, uh, a year, about a year it took you. It took, it, I was doing it for like eight months to get like one point two. I've got students who give me results in, in the like the six months in, they're gaining like half an inch, and then like others get the everybody's body kind of responds slightly differently. So I'm not going to sit here and say, you will absolutely gain this much in this amount of time, because it depends upon where you're starting from, right? Mm -hmm. Do you have a smaller penis, do you have a longer penis? Is there more to work with? There's a lot of different factors. Do you have a thicker penis? Do you have a thinner penis? A thinner one is going to stretch easier. A thicker one is going to take longer to stretch because there's more penile tissue to repair as you're stretching, right? So mm -hmm. all these things have to be considered, but it's it's totally doable. And it's... And it's it's kind of another thing that kind of pisses me off is that I when I when I talk about this openly on Twitter, you know, I'll have I'll have uh, some naysayers in my industry come up come at me for it, and I'm like, look, like women can go out and get a breast implant, mm -hmm. and no one's you know laughing at them for it, but a dude goes and puts like consistent effort into improving like one thing a, one part of his body that most dudes don't think can even change. Mm -hmm. and he sees results and you're going to laugh at him. It's like, come on, a bit of a double standard here. But I, uh, look, dudes, when, when, you, <laughs> when you're able to like increase like the length and the girth of your, your wang, it's, uh, it's a bit of a confidence boost. You're like, oh, shit. Like now you feel like you're packing more meat and you feel, you feel like you've got, you know, a lot more to work with. So it's kind of cool. But it's not what? the only thing I, I teach in that. In that ebook. I that's just one chapter of the entire book. Right. So I also in that whole book I go through like you know increasing bonus strength, increasing testosterone levels. I talk a little bit about, a little bit about performance anxiety in that book too. I talk about sex techniques. I go over like a bunch of stuff that I basically learned through my career. Sure. What I mean, <clears throat> I imagine you're you're not doing these exercises anymore. Like why why don't you set a, a, like a ridiculous goal? Like <laughs> I want a twelve inch. You know what? Why not? <laughs> let's, let's just fucking go for it. Okay. The reason, so what I did was I, I started doing that in the very, very beginning of my career. Yeah. So I started my career in Australia, of all mm -hmm. places. And there's not, a big, there's not a big porn industry in Australia. There's like two companies who shoot guy girl porn in all Australia. So in, in, the, in the space of like six months, I'm, I maybe only, my first six months, I probably only shot like 10 or 12 scenes because there's not much work. Then I moved to England. And I started picking up more work because it's more of a scene in England. Mm. And then eventually, I made my way to America where I was shooting all the time. So I had the first year of my career, I actually had a lot of downtime, right? Because I had time. Okay, I've got like one scene on Friday. Okay, I can spend Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday doing my exercises, working on my, um, on my length. And then I can take the day off on Friday to actually shoot. Because I can't, you can't do these exercises if you're, if you're shooting porn all the time. So what ended up happening was, once I moved to America and I started picking up a bunch of work, I just didn't have time to sit down and, and do the exercise because I had my, my dick had to be erect and on set that same day. So, oh, okay, that makes that's sense. That's basically why I stopped. I stopped the exercise after I got into like a year into the industry, and then kept working, and then started teaching guys stuff. And now, uh, yeah, now now I've taken like a step back from from shooting, so it's more of a uh, nowadays I focus more on like the coaching side of things. We're absolutely right. I, I actually have the intention of 
putting together like uh, a group of dudes, like picking like 10 dudes who want to focus exactly on this and like mentoring them for, for like a year. And we mm. all take measurements at the beginning, take measurements at the end, and we'll do it all, we all do it together in this non-homoerotic way. <laughs> we, yeah, very we'll scientific. Do, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I've got a science background, you know. I have a double degree in chemistry. Like, so I understand like, okay, here's how we can actually legitimately prove that this shit works and put this debate to rest because there's a whole bunch of videos on YouTube running around saying this is this sort of stuff ain't possible. And it's like, like I, I know it's possible and my students know it's possible. It's just, I'd like, I'd like for there to be, you know, just, let's just put this shit to rest. Yeah, more of a, maybe a mainstream consensus on it. Like, okay, this, there is some science here. This yeah. does work. Because you'll, because you get, you'll get urologists coming out and be like, no, it's not possible. And blah, blah. And I'm like, you know what? The bro science yeah. has a lot more like typical success than, than mainstream science. You know what I mean? In a lot of things. Yeah. In a lot of different things. Because, it, because it's people who are actually doing it. Like the experiment of one is super, super useful. Like, I always look at, I look at my body as like an, a giant experiment. Like what can I do that's going to optimize my personal results for me? And the thing with like people who are very theoretical and, you know, maybe not, not, not trying to shit on doctors and PhDs and, and, and whatnot, but they're, they're focusing so much on the theory and like past scientific research. They're not actually out there experimenting and trying anything new themselves. Mm-hmm. And I know this because I come from a research background. Like I've got an honors degree. I did, I did research as a chemist when I was at university. So I understand it. And guys who, who go out and actually try stuff are the ones that are making new groundbreaking finds. Groundbreaking finds. I mean, look at the bodybuilding industry. Guarantee all the different, like the dudes who get absolutely roided up they know so much about the body and the way hormones interact way more than your average doctor does because they're putting, they've got skin in the game. They're out there doing it themselves and experimenting and testing and communicating with other men who are out there doing it themselves and communicate and, and testing and experimenting. And that little community comes to like a consensus on what actually works and what actually doesn't. But it's only because they're, they're trying it. Mm-hmm. It's only because they're experimenting that they're able to come to that consensus. Yeah. Yeah. I actually get that a lot in uh, like my, my TikTok videos because I'll put videos out about, you know, sexual dynamics and dating and, you know, basically stuff that's worked for me. And you'll always get these like feminists in there saying like, do, do you have a degree or something? Or you just got a guy with a, an opinion. I'm like, look, I, I read a lot. Uh, I interview like top guys in the business. But, but most importantly is I go out and I test to see if this works <laughs> and I can observe that this shit works. So yeah. observational experience, man. It's yeah. <laughs> you get that. You get a lot on Twitter. I'm not going to lie. I get that sure. a lot on Twitter. You make a, you make an observation, you make it, you've had some experience, you make an observation and you put the observation out there and then some smart ass is going to jump in behind it and be like, where's, where the studies, man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> study a study is my life and my friends' lives and mm-hmm. us actually living a life and doing something and seeing how the world reacts to it. Yeah, very well said. 
So I, I think I saw in one of your videos that your book also covers how to increase the, increase your ejaculate volume. Now, oh, yeah. without without giving too much away, obviously people should read your book. But I mean, how do you do that? I saw <laughs> saw a TikTok once that eating celery is supposed to help. I mean, is that a part of it? Like basically what you're eating, dude. That is an old school porno trick, super old school. Like I I got that. I got the celery thing is 100% correct. I got that from Kieran Lee, old, old school porn star, uh, English guy. And, I, and he got it from Peter North. So Peter North used to do. Peter North is the- That's guy. Peter North's secret. If anyone familiar with Peter North, I'll know he's like famous for <laughs> a huge volume of ejaculate. And uh, <laughs> basically I like, I'm that if there's one thing I'm known for during my scenes, that's it's a similar thing. Uh, and that's the key to it. That's what, what, there's a few different, there's a few other things you can add to it as well. But that, guarantee you right now. And I know this, I, I used to teach this to my uh, my basketball teammates back in Australia when I was first starting out. I, I, I learned this really early on. And uh, I remember teaching it to one of my teammates because we would play like once a week. So I'd saw him on the Wednesday, we'd finish the game, we were sitting around, you know, talking after the game. And I'm like, yo, dude, like take, eat like two sticks of celery, right? The night before and then bang your misses the next day. And you tell me what happens. And he was like, all right, cool. And then I saw him the next week. And he was like, dude, my, my <laughs> missus, she just got like glazed like a donut. I'm like, <laughs> got you. Perfect. Oh, that's so funny. So about about two stocks the night before. And uh, yeah, that's what I, that's what I would do. I'd take like I need two before, like the night before scene. So two stalks of celery. And then it's like, I don't like celery. Celery tastes like shit. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <But it works. laughs> Fascinating. Okay. I don't know what, and I can't tell you why. I, I've tried so hard to find the reason, but it, I cannot find any, like I said, I can't find any scientific study on it. But I guarantee you it works for every single man I've told this trick to. So, every dude listening right now is, is running to the store to buy celery so that they can glaze their women. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so your other ebook on uh, performance anxiety, and then you said your your uh, your bigger ebook also has stuff on performance anxiety. Also, um, you said there's a I, I, you did a video the other day that uh, there's a difference between performance anxiety and erectile dysfunction. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely, and this is one of the biggest uh, kind of mistakes a lot of dudes make. So, erectile dysfunction is about the plumbing. It's about the blood flow, your blood flow, hormone levels, arterial plaques in your in your blood vessels in the penis or in the blood vessels in your heart, your cardiovascular health. Performance anxiety is purely what's going on up here. And the way your body is influencing, oh sorry, the way your mind is influencing your body. So that's it's important to separate those two. Because what happens is a lot of young dudes will experience, say, about the performance anxiety, and they'll think they have erectile dysfunction. They'll Google erectile dysfunction, and they'll be like, "Oh, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong. There's something physically wrong with me." And then they'll, you know, go get a Viagra at like the age of eighteen or something. And then the worst part is they'll they'll go back to the, to the bedroom again. They'll pop the little blue pill, and it won't do anything because they're still in their head, they've still got performance in it. Mm -hmm. And they think, fuck this, now there's really something wrong with it. But they just, they, they, they were misdiagnosing themselves to start. 
So if you're a young man and you're healthy and you're in, you're not you're not obese, you're in shape, you've got you know good testosterone levels, you've got good blood blood flow and cardio. I guarantee you don't have erectile dysfunction. It is if you're having boner issues, it's going to be performance anxiety. So the first thing you want to understand, first thing is understanding that difference, right? Because I've seen that on on sets as well. I've seen that on like gangbang, blowbang sets where uh, that's where a lot of new male talent gets tested out is these kind of blowbang sets where it's like one chick, eight dudes, and it's just, she just, it's just giving them all blowjobs. And so it's it's the worst thing, by the way, because you have to spend like five minutes at the back of a queue waiting for like 30 seconds of a BJ and then you go back to the end of the queue again and you're just waiting around. So, but <laughs> I've seen on sets like that where you'll have a new guy, he'll come on the set, he'll, you can tell he's popped a little blue pill because his face is all flush and red and he's sitting there with a limp dip because of the performance of that. Mm-hmm. The little blue pill, Viagra and, and Camagra and Cialis and this kind of stuff, it's important for men to understand they don't give you an erection. They help you maintain one for longer and a bit stronger. But it doesn't give you the erection. This is what gives you the erection in the first place, your mind, right? That sensation of being aroused. That is purely your mind initiating it in the first place. So when you have performance anxiety, when you're nervous and you're, you're in your head too much, you can't allow that to actually happen. Got it. Yeah. I, f- I feel like, uh, yeah, there, there, a lot of dudes are just, they're, they're too in their head a lot. Do you think that porn has something to do with that? You know, like, and in, in what, what's your take on the, the whole like no fat movement and avoiding porn and stuff. I, I see a lot of the guys in the, in the manosphere space, like just shitting all over like no fap and stuff and, and uh, <laughs> semen retention and, and it's funny, but I do kind of think that there's, there's some guys that could benefit from it, you know? So my take on that whole thing is I, I don't actually have a problem with the no fat movement. And, I'm, and the first thing I'll tell a guy, if a dude comes to me with any kind of bedroom performance issue at all, the first thing I tell the guy, stop watching porn. And I say this as a porn star, the first thing I will tell him is stop watching porn, cut it out. Because excessive porn use will play havoc with your dopamine receptors in your brain, right? It's not, I think the technical term is it's not, it's not addictive, but it's habit forming. Right? Mm. I think t- technically the term, the term addiction has to do with like substances and things you put in your body. Whereas this is just a, a visual stimulus. So you can say porn is habit form. Okay. And what happens is if I look at like 20 different tabs of porn on my browser and there's, a, there's 20 different women doing 20 different sex acts, well, that's a ton of stimulus to my brain, a ton of dopamine. And it causes this down regulation of the receptors in your brain. So what happens then is when I'm alone with one naked woman, well, that is nowhere near as novel and exciting to my brain as all this porn was. So we get this whole generation. You've, you can see this. There's, you can look at graphs of like, uh, well, they call it erectile dysfunction, but it's actually performance anxiety related. Anyway, uh, rates of that, rates of uh, incidence of incidences of erectile dysfunction in men under the age of thirty across across a uh, time span. And you can, you can pinpoint the exact moment 
where Pornhub came out, mm. like the early 2000s. Yeah. It's like, bang, that's where Pornhub was when, launched. When porn I became see. super easily accessible. I mean, when I was a kid, in order to, to even get porn, you, you had to hope that one of your buddy's dads had a video somewhere that they could like steal and copy or something for you. Uh, or or uh, I had a friend whose dad had a stack of club magazines in his closet, you know, that was it. Like, it, it wasn't like we had access on our, our cell phones 24 seven, like yep. everyone does now. Totally different. I remember me and my buddies, you, the, so the news agents, the, lo- the local like uh, magazine shop would dump their old magazines at the tip. And one of my buddies found this stack of like pornos that was dumped at the tip. And mm-hmm. me and my buddies we all went out to, to the tip and like the in the dump and like <laughs> went rummaging through the trash to find this stack of pornos. <laughs> and oh, that was our collect that was our porno collection. Yeah, porno. that was exciting back then. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, I remember I still remember the first uh, VHS video, and I think I bought it from one of these kids. He stole it from his dad, sold it to me for like 15 bucks or whatever. It was like the 70s porno, too. It was just god awful, but <laughs> but that was it. Like, that's what you had. I personally think that porno was way better in like the 60s, 70s. Uh, okay, that is, like, I, don't, I don't know. I just like the I, don't know, I like the acting, I like the, the plot lines better. Than what they what we do today. So Nobody's fun. watching it for the plot, Sterling. <laughs> Look, every time you every time someone skips through the dialogue in a porno, somewhere a porn star's heart breaks because we spent hours. <laughs> hours <doing that. laughs> okay, fair enough. Next time I'm gonna skip through the sex scenes and I'm just gonna watch the plot and be like, this you. is this is a cinematic cinematic masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> We're going, finishing, finishing the point I was gonna say was. Yeah, you, you, you can plot a graph and you can see like rates of, of erectile dysfunction in men under 30. And the moment Pornhub came out, like, it skyrockets, man. Wow. And that's due to like the down regulation of dopamine receptors from excessive porn use. So I, when it comes to, to NoFap and semen retention as well, now semen retention, I, I'm not a big, I'm, I'm like, really? But the NoFap thing I'm totally cool with. I'm like, cut that out. Don't jerk off. But instead, so I, I told dudes like instead of jerking off into a tissue, jerk off on a woman's face. Use that energy. Okay, you're not masturbating anymore, so you're probably going to be a bit hornier. Okay, build that up for a couple of days. That's the whole semen retention argument, which I which makes sense in the short term. Mm-hmm. And then use that energy, that drive to go out and talk to women and start having sex with women. You know, it's yeah. not. It doesn't have you don't have to like completely cut yourself off and be a monk and because because that's actually bad for your prostate if you, if you you just sit there and build up semen for like months on end and don't ejaculate it's actually bad for your prostate so find a woman and ejaculate in and on her instead of the tissue and it's like i, I always like the argument I'm like you think and people try to claim shit like oh mike tyson did semen retention no he fucking didn't <laughs> read Mike Tyson's biography, which is a great book, by the way. That motherfucker was having sex left, right, and center. He could not help himself, but he ain't jerking off. Yeah. Right. He's just having a lot of, he's having a ton of sex. Dudes who are really successful, dudes who are, you know, high value men, right? Dudes at the top of their game, they're getting laid. They're not sitting around like retaining their semen. They're not, they're also, they're not sitting around jerking off the porn too, which I, which is why I kind of agree with the whole no fat thing. But they ain't sitting around retaining their semen. They're actually having sex with women. So 
that's kind of where my, my, my opinion kind of lands somewhere in the middle. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. So you also have a course out called Dirty Talk 101. Now, before I got into this stuff, sexual dynamics and just studying this stuff, I was not Mr. Dirty Talk in the bedroom. You know, my, my blue pill conditioning said that women didn't really like that. However, I read a book a couple of years ago that I recommend to my listeners all the time called Atomic Attraction that touched on the importance of dirty talk in the bedroom. And now, you know, even, even if you say something as simple as you like me fucking you, don't you? Um, even if she doesn't say anything to it, like, like respond to it or say anything, like she internalizes it. And it really tends to turn women on, I found. So, I mean, is that the sort of thing that you talk about in your course or you probably get a little more graphic in there? Uh, we, get a, we get a bit more graphic, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, I, I kind of, I, again, I, talk, I take guys through a bunch of different types of dirty talk, right? Yeah. Because it can be as simple as describing the sensations he's already feeling. Mm. This is why, like, this is why dirty talk is so powerful is because it's this amplifier for women's arousal. Mm-hmm. Women are very, very, uh, very, their, their arousal is very linked to their emotions, right? And if you can, I look at it, the analogy, I look at it this way is like, she's like driving a car. And what you're doing by using, by using dirty talk is you're opening the, opening the driver's door, putting her in the passenger seat, and you're stepping into the driver's seat instead of her mind. Mm. So by you telling her things, dictating things, describing things to her during the act of sex, you're taking control of her thought patterns and her emotions she's feeling during sex, which is a good thing because you want to make sure you want you want her to have a good time. You want her to have a good, good, fun, arousing, exciting experience. So why wouldn't you utilize the most important thing that dictates that? And that's her brain, right? Mm-hmm. So you can a basic stuff, the basic way of starting with dirty talk for guys who aren't that familiar. And a lot of dudes aren't comfortable with it. They're, they're a bit nervous around doing it. And I, just, I, I get that. That makes total sense. You know, they, they don't want to, they don't want to come across creepy. They don't want to come across, they don't want to be embarrassed and say something stupid and say something silly and get judged for it. Right. But a real basic starting point is just describing what she's already feeling. Mm. Right. So if a woman is, you know, like you said, if, you, if, you're, if I'm penetrating a woman, what, what is she feeling? Okay. How does it feel to have my cock sliding in and out of you like that? Or if you kiss the side of her neck, do you like the way I bite on your, the, the way, do you like the way I bite on your neck? Do you like the way I nibble on your neck? Do you like, do you like the way I slap on your earlobes? I'm, all I'm doing is making her focus on the sensation she's already feeling so that I can amplify Right, mm. you can do this with sound too. If you know if she's particularly wet downstairs, and you you can hear that during the thrusting, you know, can you hear how fucking wet you are right now? I'm making her pay attention to a sensation, right? Yeah. And what does all what does this do? This brings her present and in the moment. She can't. She's not in her head. One of the biggest impediments to the female orgasm is a woman being in her head. And a lot of guys, unfortunately, make the mistake of putting a woman in her head by putting too much pressure on her to orgasm. Mm-hmm. So if a guy, you know, if, and a woman can tell if, if you're trying really hard to get her off or you're trying really hard to please her, she can tell. 
And what that's going to do is that's going to put her in her head, make her kind of self-conscious and just put too much pressure on her. And once she's in that kind of mental state, it's going to be really, really hard for her to orgasm. So instead of doing that, what, what do we do? We bring her into the present moment by describing sights, sounds, smells, sensations that she's already feeling. So she pays attention to them and she's more present and she's more aroused and we amplify that. And that's, that's, a, that's, that's the basic beginning uh, part of vertical that I, I kind of go into in this course. And then, then, then you can go more extreme. You can go into like ownership. You can go into the grading stuff. You can get in, down the whole BDSM uh, dom sub dynamic kind of path with, with giving her commands and things like that. And uh, you can have a lot of, lot of fucking fun with vertical. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. One thing I was thinking of when you were explaining all that is uh, like women, you hear the, the expression that women fall in love through their ears. And that's a big part of it because it, it starts getting them in their imagination and, and they're just like, totally, they get totally into it. It's uh it's funny. I think a lot of guys that are afraid to do it, they just need to say something once and they will immediately see results from that. And they'll just go, Oh shit. <laughs> and, and it's, it's, it's this thing where once you've seen it, you can't go back. Mm-hmm. Like and a lot of a lot of guys they just need to see it once, yeah. And then they're like, oh, like they just need that one one little experience of it of it of a of one positive experience of them being more dominant, more aggressive, more d- dropping dirty talk, and they're like, oh shit, <laughs> I've been missing out on this my whole life. Mm-hmm. I could have been doing this the whole time. Yeah. I yeah, mean, one of my one of the favorite things I love to do all the time is just. Tell a girl this pussy belongs to me. Mm-hmm. And and again, this this uh, most guys who come from you know a blue pill kind of upbringing have been told, oh, women that, that no woman would like that. That's degrading. That's that's misogynistic to 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 imply that you own a woman like that. Well, then try it out. <laughs> they they respond so well to it. It's uh, <laughs> it's absurd, actually. I think. <laughs> So let's, uh, we're almost at an hour here. So let's talk about your coaching a little bit and then we can wrap up. Um, what are some of the biggest challenges men are coming to you to learn how to resolve? The two biggest ones, one is the whole kind of nervousness, performance issues in the bedroom, right? Be that, be that performance anxiety, be that actual genuine erectile dysfunction, be that premature ejaculation. And, and a lot of younger guys these days have problems with delayed ejaculation. And that's due to, you know, excessive porn use primarily. So that is the whole performance problems side of things. And then the other side of things is just is what we've kind of sort of talking about is learning to be a better lover, learning to be more confident in the bedroom and learning to be more expressive and, and being <coughs> comfortable experimenting with different perhaps darker more dominant sexual acts and that's mm-hmm. that's a big one a lot of dudes are a bit they, they feel like oh i could never be the kind of guy who spanks a woman chokes her pulls her hair and whispers dirty shit in her ear like they don't feel like that's them mm-hmm. and they just need like i said before they need that one little reference experience of seeing it being received extremely positively from a woman and their eyes just look their, their mind is fucking blown. And so that's <clears throat> that's primarily what I try to teach. I, I try to help guys with these two different sides of the coin. One making sure they can they can 
you know, have fun properly the way they want to have fun, and two, making sure that they're they're perceived as being a fantastic lower loader partner. Yeah, yeah. One thing I I say to guys all the time is uh, when it comes to the the whole dominance thing is like, dude, Fifty Shades of Grey didn't sell millions and millions of copies for no reason. Like, there's a reason why women bought the, all all those copies, not because the the author was that great of a an author. definitely wasn't that (laughs) no because they a lot of women just they have that kind of fantasy of being taken like uh was it you i think maybe i saw a video where you talked about um it was like controlled i can't think of it right off off the top of my head but it's like is it you're referring to consensual non-consent yeah something like yeah i think that's probably what i'm thinking of yeah yeah so that so one of the books I recommend guys read uh, is actually a book called My Secret Garden by Nancy Friday. It's an old book too. So she was Nancy Friday was this, I think she was a New York Times journalist, and what she did was she put out a um, like an advertisement in the New York Times saying asking women to anonymously write in their deepest darkest sexual fantasies. And what she did was she just accumulated all of them, the best ones, into this book. And that book is My Secret Garden. And I read this in my early 20s. And I used to to think that women were sugar and spice and everything nice. Uh, Then I read this book and I'm like, God damn, these women are perverted. There's (laughs) some twisted, dark shit in there. And a lot of the fantasies in that book uh, revolve around this this, uh, idea of consensual non-consent. So... That's a that's a technical term for for great fantasy. We'll just say that. Okay. And it it revolves around this idea of being taken, but they're being taken in a way in which they're actually safe, right? And they're not actually in harm's way, right? Because no woman actually wants to be you know attacked, yeah, like that, right? But what they do want is this feeling of being taken by a man. Who's strong and dominant, right? And I and I liken this to the the underlying psychology of this is if you show if you're like if you're this dominant man in the bedroom, it shows that you have the capacity for violence. Doesn't mean you're a violent man, mm-hmm. and especially does not mean you're does not mean you're violent with her, but it shows that you have the capacity for violence. And if you have the capacity for violence, then you have the ability to protect her and keep her safe. And this is how men demonstrate that to a woman in the bedroom. And that's why it is so arousing to them in the first place, is because it's this, it's this deep-seated like subconscious thing from an evolutionary past of like, oh, this motherfucker can protect me. So I'm safe with him, I'm attracted, I'm attracted to him. I want his babies. Mm-hmm. Let's go, right? And I think it, that that's a, that's the first stepping stone with guys kind of being comfortable with this is understanding why it works, understanding why women are so attracted to it. Then it gives them permission to be okay with it. That mm-hmm. you're not a bad guy, you know, for for for, be, for you know maybe engaging in some BDSM or maybe being a bit um, physically dominant. Or, or, or being some perverted with your dirty talk. You're not a bad guy, right? Mm-hmm. You're literally giving her what she actually wants. Yeah, it's the same concept of uh, like when women <clears throat> sort of like when you go to 
escalate things and a woman sort of puts up a little resistance. So you do a little push pull, you pull back a little bit like that whole idea. Let's puts women at ease. Cause they're like, Oh, I said no. And he, he pulled back a little bit, but you still, you know, go at it a little bit later, but that makes them feel safe that, okay, well, if, if I did say no, he'll, he'll stop, you know, and then <laughs> that's the key point, right? That's, <laughs> that's one of the most pivotal moments for a woman when interacting with a new guy is her ability to tell you no or tell you stop and you actually stop in and it could this might not even be during sex this might be during like before sex during like when you're flirting when you're, you're kissing for the first time or whatever like that i actually had this exact experience like a woman told me this verbatim when i was in dubai we ended up we were making out having a good time and we're in we're in uh this place I was staying in, in my buddy's pool room. There's no, no one else around, like making out. I got her titty out, started playing with her titty, and she told me to stop. I'm like, cool. Go back. But a tidy up a thing. I didn't, I didn't keep, you know, I wasn't being more aggressive and pushy. Right. Credits and distance, kept playing pool, still being lovely and charming and happy and then not, not being butt hurt by yeah. being stopped. That's the important part. Not being the dude who's like, oh, but I invited you back here. I just took you out for drinks and blah, Like not being a butt hurt bitch. Yeah. I'm like, cool, no problem. Let's let's keep let's keep having fun. Let's keep drinking, keep playing pool, have a good time. Mm-hmm. And then like 20 minutes later, we're having sex. Yep. Right? But it's the, but that and she told me verbatim after the fact, she's like, you know what? That that was the moment I knew I was safe with you. Was when you said when you stopped, when I stopped, when I told you to stop. Super important for a woman to know that you are going to stop if she says stop. Super yeah. important. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh what one book that I, I talk about a lot talks about that. He calls it in the book, uh two steps forward, one step back. Um, I've heard uh, Paul Benjamin call it push pull, but it's the same, same idea, but you can, you don't have to give up just cause she said, stop there. It doesn't mean the night's over guys. Just chill. You give her, give her a run later and you're good to go. It means she, it means she just needs more time to find out more things about you. Like, so. yeah. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. All right. We're at an hour. Uh, this has been an awesome conversation. Thank you so much, Sterling. Where can people find you online? Well, thank you for having me, man. Uh, Easiest place is sterlingcooper.com. That's my website. You can find everything there. Um, S-T-I-R-L-I-N-G. So you spell my name. Not like the silver. I spell it differently. <laughs> and my YouTube channel, if you want, I, I get to put out a ton of free advice uh, in, in regards to anything and everything uh, bedroom and relationship dynamics related. You just type in Sterling Cooper into YouTube and you'll find my channel there as well. All right. Thank you very much, Sterling. I'll put all these in the uh, in the description. Awesome. All right. Have a good one. Yes. Sterling, thanks for joining me this week. It was a fun conversation. Um, I really learned a lot from you. Uh, I'm going to check out your book um, and and probably some of your other eBooks as well. I don't know that I'm going to be trying to grow my dick. I don't know. Maybe I will. Fuck it. <laughs> Why not? Right? Like what, what can it hurt? What can it hurt? Like, oh, oh, you got a bigger dick now. Oh, that's terrible. Said nobody ever. (laughs) All right, guys. It was fun. We will see you next week on Monday. This has been the Come On Man podcast. New full episodes served hot every Monday morning on your favorite podcast platform of choice. So subscribe now. Follow Paul on social media. The links are in the description. Now, go out and get it.